0: Alrighty, well welcome back to the JLR Equestrian Podcast with your host Jordan Risky and today I have a super exciting guest with me today. Her name is Sydney Collier. She's a para-athlete, para-Olympian and I've grown up with Sydney and I've known her for forever and we grew up in Pony Club together and she is truly an inspiring and just overall amazing person. So I wanted to have her on the podcast because she can teach you guys a lot. So welcome to the podcast, Sydney.
1: Hi, oh, thank you so much for having me. I can't believe that we grew up t- with one another doing pony club and here you are with your own podcast. So thank you so much for <laughs> wanting me as a guest. I can't wait to get into the bones of my story with yeah, you. Yeah.
0: Of course, I am like so excited. I was like I really need to have someone really good on the podcast that can really teach these young riders some really valuable things in life and who's better than that than you? And I'm like, okay, let's have sit on. So Sydney, you are truly inspiring. Can you kind of take us back and talk us how you got into riding? And it'll take us into kind of how you became a para-athlete and how you got to where you are today. Do you want to start there?
1: Yeah, totally. So I actually, as a kid, I tried literally every single sport imaginable. I tried basketball, but I was obviously really short. Um, So that wasn't a great fit. I, let's see, I tried soccer, but... I was more of the type that was out on the soccer field picking dandelions. I wasn't exactly <laughs> watching the ball. And my team never really liked that. So, <laughs> needless to say, these sports never really clicked. But my family always knew I had a very, um, like, a need to be in a sport because I was athletic. Mm-hmm. And, and growing up, horses had always kind of been this undercurrent of my childhood. You know, I had my briar horses, any, <laughs> any opportunity where there was like a pony ride, you know, I yeah. was begging my parents to do the pony ride. Um, I was always drawn to it. And and after basically flunking out of every single smor- sport imaginable, <laughs> I said to my mom, you know what, mom? I think I'd like to try riding horses. And I swear that it was the moment she had been waiting for my entire life because she had actually grown up riding. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I think she was the one who was kind of slowly planting those seeds in my head, like, ever so Mm -hmm. daintily, right? Right and and so the minute I said I wanted to try it she she like the next day had me signed up for lessons (laughs) and and I started riding on a 30 year old school pony named May and I I absolutely fell in love with riding from the moment that I first started I I just knew it was what I was meant to do with my life. It, yeah. It was. It was just everything. It just clicked. Awesome. Yeah. Like and and from the minute I started writing, I I actually told my parents, you know, someday I'm gonna represent the USA <laughs> at the Olympics for oh, the sport of eventing. That's and... pretty cool. Yeah. Thank so you've you. kind of like, had that in the works all your life,
0: then. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I just had always um, wanted to do it at the highest level. I, yeah. I And I just had, had this drive to want to represent the USA in whatever capacity possible. And actually... At the same time that I started writing, I actually was diagnosed with Wyburn-Mason syndrome, okay. which is a very rare um and life-threatening birth defect that like less than a thousand people on earth actually have diagnosed. So it was totally by chance that I even, lived Mm -hmm. to be seven and to get diagnosed Um, and and actually the doctors at the hospital where I got diagnosed they they told my parents to take me home and pray that I didn't die of a massive bleed
0: oh my gosh and look at you
1: yeah how far you
0: are now it's amazing that's truly amazing
1: Thank you. Yeah, so my my mom and dad obviously weren't willing to take that as an answer. They my, my mom went home and this was like before googling things really in depth <laughs> really existed all that much and yeah. she she spent hours and hours and hours on the internet just trying to find any hospital that had mm-hmm. literally any experience with Wyburn mason syndrome and yeah. she she ended up finding uh two hospitals in, in the entire world that had even treated any cases even similar and oh she reached out to both and said would you be willing to treat my daughter And long story short, the one in California, Stanford Medical Center, came back to her and said, yeah, we'd be willing to treat Sydney experimentally uh, because we've never treated a pediatric case of Wyburn-Mason syndrome. And yeah, they had only treated adults with AVMs, which are what my condition is comprised of, but they had never treated a kid with exactly what I have, so I'm kind of like a lab rat, Um, <laughs> and, and all throughout this, the horses were always what took my mind off of the hospital stays, or yeah, off sure. of the medical stuff like as I'm sure you understand right like oh yeah for sure I don't know what I would do without them yeah it always is like the grounding force and and really what brought me back to my passion and Mm -hmm. and like for for me getting diagnosed with Wyburn Mason, um, basically it's kind of like having ticking time bombs in a sense in my head. Like no one knows if they're gonna randomly rupture and bleed at any moment. Mm-hmm. And so My parents really could have said to me, no, Sid, eventing is way too dangerous for (laughs) you. (laughs) But, but luckily, like, even as I'm going through this life changing, uh, medical drama in my life, my, my parents never placed any limits Mm -hmm. on me. I was, you know, going to the hospital, um, getting all of these answers, and getting diagnosed, and everything, and then I was still going to the barn, and, you know, like, galloping around a cross-country course, like, which is, it's crazy to think about in in hindsight, right, like, yeah, that's crazy, yeah, and, um, it's really their, um, just keep on going sort of mentality had, a lot, yeah. um, a lot to do with forming me into the person I am today, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and those, um, experimental treatments led me to having ultimately my first stroke when I was eleven. Um, when? So when were you diagnosed with? With so. Blind? yeah I was diagnosed when I actually when I was seven the exact same time that I started riding and and we I started getting experimental treatments when I was Mm -hmm. eight and they and they started with radiation um okay and and the radiation takes six months to three years to see if it's had any effect. Okay. And and actually also when I was eight, I lost all the vision in my right eye. <laughs> oh. That's and, um, how,
0: yeah, of course. Oh man.
1: Yeah, I was literally sitting in fifth grade. <laughs> and, and, oh and and all of a sudden the lights went out <laughs> oh my gosh yeah like oh my gosh. At, at least it was a memorable story right <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting in fifth grade <laughs> yeah right like of all of the times it could have happened um but but yeah so when we went back when I was 11 I I had continued to just have a lot of, um, weird decline on my left side. Like, Mm -hmm. um, like I was having this burning sensation on the bottom of my left foot and, and things were just progressively becoming less and less coordinated. And so by the time we went back to California for my next checkup, they um they did a procedure to see if the radiation had worked mm-hmm. and it hadn't and and then, with the decline I was experiencing, they ultimately decided that the more risky and invasive option of uh brain surgery was what was the route that we should go down. And, and it was actually during my first radiation, well, during my first, sorry, um, surgery that I ended up having a massive stroke offending, affecting my left side. And Mm. I woke up and I couldn't, use my left side at all the way that I used to I couldn't walk my left arm was very severely affected Mm -hmm. and and all the while I'm in California like (laughs) days away from Michigan and and I had to spend that entire summer in inpatient rehab trying to trying to relearn how to walk um yeah and and really what kept me pushing through that was just the one to get back to riding I was like if if I keep pushing my hardest here in rehab and I ultimately my goal was to be able to walk again just so that I could ride again yeah and and ultimately, I was able to relearn how to walk and, and got more use of my left hand back mm-hmm. and, and then came home to Michigan and to middle school. And turns out mid- middle schoolers are not the nicest when you come home yeah. and, and they're super different from the norm. Um, but the horses were always my safe place and like my safe haven but I even experienced this pushback from what I love to do right like Mm -hmm. what I used to be able to do physically I no longer could safely and I was like I was like okay now that I've had a stroke let's tone it back to just show jumping because that's way safer right (laughs) yeah of course (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and my parents, my parents are saints about it, they're like, yeah, that's totally safer, Sid, you've <laughs> got this, and, oh my gosh, that's and, awesome, <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> needless to say, I was always an adrenaline junkie, and, and then I ended up, um, at my first show, my first, like, combined, dressage in show jumping show um post-stroke I ended up snapping my femur on my good leg in half oh my gosh (laughs) like it (laughs) it never ends right (laughs) oh my gosh of course of course it was the good leg right yeah of
0: course it was (laughs) oh man I can't even imagine that yeah
1: so that was kind of where I experienced the ultimate frustration of what I wanted to do with horses wasn't lining up with what I my body really could do at the time
0: yeah for sure
1: and so my mom, I think, saw this really dark time in my life and she she said to me, Sid, uh paradressage is happening at the World Equestrian Games in two thousand ten and and we should go watch. I got us tickets. And Aww. and you know me being an inventor. I was like Ew, dressage? Why would I ever want to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. And and also being like 12, right? I yeah. man, I was I was something else. But so we ended up going there and and I had this moment kind of like something out of a movie where it just clicked to me, like, wow, I don't have to give up on my huge goal to represent the USA. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just because I've had a stroke, I, I can do this. If these incredible athletes with disabilities are out here representing the USA on the world Mm -hmm. stage, then that can be me next World Equestrian Games and next Paralympics. Like, I can do this. That was, like, the first time it shifted from this I can't mentality to this Mm -hmm. I can mentality.
0: Yeah.
1: And, And that was something really profound and very empowering for me.
0: Yeah, for sure it's def- i can definitely tell like yeah it came at like such a hard time where you were kind of feeling stuck and then you got to go see all these amazing riders and be like okay i want to be like that now like that's your goal
1: yeah and that something
0: that you could work towards so, yeah that's really cool
1: yeah thank you right. it it gave me a whole new sort of perspective on yeah on it, because I realized, oh, I don't just have to give up. I I can keep pushing, and I can keep doing what I love, and and I can accomplish these huge goals that I that I always have had, and yeah, and I and I said to my mom and my grandma right then and there, I said, next World Equestrian Games and next Paralympics, that's gonna be me out there, mm. and that's and awesome. then. Thank you. And and they never made me feel like I was crazy for saying that, yeah, right? They for sure. They were like, "Okay, we're going to help you make this happen." And yeah. And ultimately it did happen. I I represented the USA at the World Equestrian Games in 2014 in France as well as the Paralympics in 2016 in Rio and it Man, there were... that
0: has to be like such a great experience, right? In that aspect, just alone, like being at the World Equestrian Games and the Paralympics, but getting to be with all these other athletes as well, and being able to be like you finally got to your goal that you wanted to
1: get to. Absolutely, but honestly, it it just keeps you pushing even harder because because yeah. once you've experienced that, you're you've you've hit one goal but you're already you're already ready to start working towards that next goal yeah that's awesome it just lights that fire even more and and honestly both of those competitions were on borrowed horses for me because because at the time (laughs) my horse had um just totally unexpected health stuff that would always pop up like Mm -hmm. before WEG before one of the biggest qualifying competitions he actually broke his coffin bone oh Um, my goodness no yeah and and he had to be on six months of stall rest and um and then for Rio 2016 he and Rosie the horse that I competed in Rio were really Mm -hmm. neck and neck but uh ultimately Rosie was chosen for the team because she had actually been to um London in 2012 with with another pair rider so she was more experienced okay gotcha yeah well,
0: let's hear about this experience man let's like dig into WEC and uh the Paralympics at Rio like what was it like being with all those other riders and being able to travel wow
1: <laughs> honestly <laughs> it's really an experience beyond words um um just something so humbling to be a part of something so much bigger than just yourself. It really, uh, riding down those center lines. I've, I've never felt more, um, more like, I'm trying to think of the perfect word more honored than I did in that moment like it it really being a part of Team USA means the world to me and and to have to have put in all of that effort and to ultimately have made it to be able to represent the USA on those world stages Mm -hmm. is everything even yeah, with awesome. even with all of the roadblocks that popped up along the way um we we just kept pushing like and there was a lot of dark days in there that you know
0: yeah. w-
1: that you easily as an athlete could end up doubting yourself mm-hmm. or or going a much darker route but the big mm-hmm. thing is uh, the horses are what kept me pushing forward always yeah
0: yeah so like some of the other sports and like I know the Olympics have like training sessions and things like to work together as a team is that something that as like a para-athlete with um in the dressage did you guys like get to train together like do clinics together or was it kind of like more on your own when you were
1: preparing
0: for the Olympics or the or the World Equestrian Games as well?
1: Yeah. So the way that it works for us is because we are so spread out, um, we do tend to stay at our own barns and then um, about two or three weeks ahead of the games we come together and we have a training camp all together and that's basically where you you learn to work as one unit and one team Mm -hmm. and and in para we're we're really lucky because we we're such a tight-knit group because yeah. there are so few of us, obviously we would we would really love more numbers in terms of mm-hmm. participation in para, uh, but it does give us a leg up when it comes to coming together as a team because we do know one another so well from qualifiers and from previous team experiences as well,
0: yeah, for sure, so then when you go to the games, do you have your trainer train you or is it like you have the team coach or is it both?
1: So so it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, you, you do most of the time opt to have your trainer there. Uh, some games are, are really, um, it's, there's only a certain number of credentials that the team can have. We've been very fortunate in the games that I've been a part of, uh, in that there has been enough credentials in order to have personal trainers travel mm-hmm. with the team and, and be a part of the team. If not, then the chef to keep would step in as the trainer for the whole team
0: okay that's cool yeah that's awesome
1: yeah we're 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 very lucky in that we have such good guidance and and the chef to keep basically acts as our head trainer at like the head trainer of all the athletes at five-star events
0: oh that's really cool yeah that is awesome man i just want to go there and cheer you on now i am be like i cheer you on from at home but now i want to be there and like watch it live that's going to (laughs) be so cool
1: yeah thank you so right now we are currently uh training towards paris 2024 Uh and and training our butts off i have to say i mean loving every moment of it um working so hard <laughs> yeah so I know
0: you just got it so can you tell me a little bit about the horses that you have right now because I know you just got another one do you want to yeah. tell us a little bit about them and maybe totally. are you trying
1: to qualify with both of them or just one of them maybe yeah so right now I'm just trying to qualify with Bellbottoms, my new my new mare and yeah. I, I I love re- the name.
0: That thank is so you cute. yeah we
1: call her <laughs> we call her bb or beebs i i call her i call her beebs like a little homage Aww. to beaver right like yeah <laughs> she okay she <laughs> she totally has beaver energy i'm not gonna lie she's she's like oh yeah but J-B um, under yeah exactly <laughs> oh, that's awesome and we've had we've been a partnership since mid march so in terms of um of horse and rider combos going for the team we're one of the newer horse rider combos mm-hmm. okay and and she really is uh she, i i have no words to describe what a special horse she is she she just gives her all every single training ride like she she's so consistent and and she like she has a very motherly energy to her and and she's just so um so forward thinking that all I have to really do is follow her lead which is uh a whole new thing for me after a uh, really a riding career of of mainly riding uh mm-hmm. geldings that are on the lazier side yeah <laughs> yeah for sure that's awesome yeah she's she's a breath of fresh air actually we are headed into the show ring at the end of this month and and that's awesome. oh man I'm I'm so elated. I I can't <laughs> wait. She she's just everything, really. Um I I just think it's kind of mind-blowing to think uh of, of all of the horses that I've ridden throughout my career and and all that every single one has taught me. Um and how it's all kind of culminated to this moment in time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. In such a special horse, like the opportunity awesome. to work with such a special horse. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So, is it just a horse right now, or do you still have your other one still?
1: Yeah, yeah, I still okay. have Ale, okay. and and okay. and we ride him lightly, but he is retired from competition. Okay. Big man. Yeah, yeah, he he is such a good boy.
0: Alrighty, and okay so let's what are we talking about next sorry focusing (laughs) okay so you've gone through so much and everything that you've gone through you've talked to us a little bit about your favorite thing about riding just the horse and the sport but it's so difficult to really go in day in and day out with this sport you know there's so many ups and downs like what is it, like, what is your favorite part that just keeps you coming back and wanting to keep doing it and wanting to pursue it for a longer time? Like, is there something specific for you?
1: (laughs) I'd say, uh, honestly, everything. Like, I I know that's kind of like a cop-out answer, but but the thing for me is the hard days. I guess kind of make you appreciate the the really good days even more. Um, mm-hmm. I recently had a trainer here in Wellington that said to me, um, that riding's in, in training is kind of like trying to catch a feather on a windy day, like sometimes it'll land perfectly in the palm of your yeah. hand and then other times it'll just blow off in the wind and you and you'll never know when it's gonna come back to you mm-hmm. and and that really resonated with me because that's a like great analogy
0: there yeah
1: yeah right it really resonated with me because I think that not only for equestrian sports but for most sports it's really like that some days you have it and some days you don't and yeah. and you just have to keep your hopes up on those yeah. days on those days where it just doesn't click right in um yeah and and like that's been the biggest thing for me is on the days where it doesn't click right in not fixating on what I feel went poorly thinking more on on what went well or what was improved from the last ride um yeah and I I think that's the yeah I think that's the beauty of what we do is that you, you never have it all figured out, and, and you're constantly learning and recalculating and finding new recipes, and it's like this moving puzzle that you're striving to figure out, but can yeah. can never really figure it all out, right? <laughs> yeah, for
0: sure. <laughs> you're just hoping that you can just take a little bit of the puzzle each day and hope. Hold- it goes the right direction sometimes. Just exactly. gotta keep going and working at it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That positivity is is really what what keeps you pushing.
0: Yeah, I know when um I was going through my cancer treatments and everything. Um, there were so many people. Like I told myself I can't ever like get down or anything. Like I've seen you go through all that you have and you just stay so positive. And I was like, I just gotta stay positive, you know. We're gonna get through it. It's gonna be hard and difficult, but we're gonna get through it. And I will tell you, when you are positive about having a good outcome of things, you feel a lot better than if you were like, "Oh, this sucks. Like, I'm never gonna get through it," or like so negative about it. When you add that positivity to it, it really like helps you get through it a lot easier. I will
1: say that. <laughs> yeah, I'll completely agree with you. That yeah. Like, having the faith and really, and really just maintaining it no matter what happens. That's, that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No matter, no matter how hard it can be sometimes to have it. Yeah. For sure.
0: So, I know you, when we talked last time, I saw you in Kentucky. You were going to school and you were working on finishing up schooler. Have
1: you finished school? Or are you still in school? yeah, so I officially did graduate with my bachelor's in communications in twenty twenty yeah twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one one of the two mm-hmm. yeah, it must have been twenty twenty one and immediately, I actually started on full scholarship my master's program. Um, and I'm getting a master's, an MBA with a specialization in marketing. So I wrapped up that program in January. So, <gasps> Oh, my gosh. So I'll officially, thank you, I'll officially have my master's in January, which is... Crazy to think about. (laughs) That is
0: so awesome. That is so exciting. Congratulations. That's thank you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been really fun. I mean, right now I'm just tunnel vision on training, on school, and on the book, really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So you have a new book coming out. Can you tell us a little bit about it and like what it's all about and who's writing it if you're writing it or someone else is writing it for
1: you or how it's working out let's hear all about it all right yeah so i i actually had this incredible opportunity to to work with uh, an author that i met at an equestrian expo we just kind of met and clicked we like really vibed if that makes yeah. sense um, yeah of course And, and I jokingly said to her when, when we first met, maybe you should write my story. And she said, read, read one of my books first and then we'll talk. (laughs) And, And so, and so I went home, I like... Oh, read one of her books so quickly and and the whole time I'm reading it, I'm like, no way. She writes in my voice. This is crazy. <laughs> and what's even crazier is that she has a daughter who had a stroke when she was born and oh my gosh and she rides, so, like, she understands the disability aspect, she understands the horse aspect, I, I was like, oh, man, I'm sold, we, we need to make this happen, (laughs) and so, and so, we ended up pitching to my publisher, uh, the book idea which is basically my entire childhood you know yeah the diagnosis the finding horses um the journey to the Paralympics in 2016 and and they they agreed they they signed on and and we have over the past year we've been actually recording chapters on zoom and then and then she'll go through and like transcribe them and yeah and and we do it that way and actually um last sunday was the very first time that i read the first draft all the way through like all together yeah. and and that was wow a really powerful experience after that's working awesome. you know thank you after working chapter by chapter by chapter um and then reading it and really experiencing it in the flow of a book was yeah. <laughs> was really <Yeah>. just wow
0: <laughs> that's awesome is she writing it like from your perspective
1: then? Yeah, yeah, okay. she's stepping into my shoes and embodying me basically. That's awesome. Um, thank you. Yeah, it's it's. She said it's been an experience for her because it's her first time doing anything like this. Um, any. Okay it's kind of like ghostwriting, but she's my co-author. Um mm-hmm. and and yeah, she's completely writing it from my perspective and and it's just she yeah. embodies me perfectly. <laughs>
0: I love that. That is so cool. I'm like so excited to read this now. Do you have like an idea of when it might be coming out?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the book will officially be released in 2024. That's that's oh, that's all, I, that's like all early. Um, I'm, uh, I'm not allowed to say when exactly in 2024, oh, okay. but but in 2024. Okay.
0: Well, you'll have a big fan club waiting to read it. Don't you worry. Aw, thank you. I expect you to sell a
1: lot of copies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Of course. We'll have to have you back on the podcast right before you put
1: it out. Yeah, Yeah. there we go. That's awesome.
0: (laughs) That is so exciting. I am so happy for you. That is so cool.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. So we're gonna go back a little bit back to the Paralympics and the world equestrian games. So we discussed before we got on a little bit about there being different grades in how you um, compete at these competitions. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, how, like, you are put into different grades to be in the competition? Like, certain dis- if it's, like, how, like, certain disabilities go in certain grades or how it is, I don't really understand like I don't understand how yeah. they're um how you
1: compete in each level if that makes sense totally yeah so basically in the Paralympics we have five grades okay with grade 1 being the most physically disabled and in grade 1 riders ride an all walk test okay i'm i'm actually currently a grade 1 okay. um and then the highest, most able-bodied grade is a grade five. They're okay. they're riding the closest to uh the equivalent of a pre Saint George, or uh yeah, or Grand oh, Prix okay. test. Okay, um, gotcha. And so like grade two is fifty fifty walk trot. Uh, okay. grade three is uh walk with more trot. Um, grade four is walk trot canter, and then grade five is that uh closest to a uh, parallel of pre Saint George. Okay. Um, and all of these tests are like parallel to able bodied tests, and. Hmm. And our riders are classified into these grades. Um, we undergo tests, physical tests on mm-hmm. on the ground, so unmounted, um, done by classifiers who are often physical therapists. Um, oh. They they do a specific uh, specific form of testing and then the way that you perform on these muscle tests basically tells them what grade you should be placed into okay yeah and that's that's how we uh keep people competing in grades with people with similar disabilities and
0: so so, if you go through these tests, do you have to, like, do these tests, like, every few years to see if you move up a grade, or are you staying pretty much one
1: grade? So, it it depends if you're confirmed at that grade. Um, if you're confirmed at that grade, you don't have to undergo testing yearly okay. or bi-yearly. Um... But if you're unconfirmed, then yeah, you do have to get tested regularly to see if you have, you know, if you've progressed and gone up or down or whatnot.
0: Okay, that makes sense. I was just like, that was the one question that I really wasn't sure about because you see all the Paralympics and I'm like, I don't understand like how they're classified and how they're put into the different grades in there and how they compete but that's really interesting yeah yeah that's really cool though
1: and it also varies sport by sport um, on the classification and um and the other thing is is we do have kind of like levels we have um a novice test. Uh we have and we also have an intermediate test for okay. for people who might be starting out and not quite mm-hmm. ready to ride the grand prix tests, which are the tests mm-hmm. that uh are ridden in 3 to 5 star competitions as yeah. well as national yeah. competitions. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so so they've done a lot of work to um kind of get these tests so that there is a pipeline um yeah. for for developing para riders.
0: Yeah, that's really awesome. That's awesome for you. That is awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's uh the the levels of tests is something that we have never had in para mm-hmm. until I would say the last three to four years.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good though. That's good that you have that pipeline, like you were saying now.
1: Yeah, definitely makes it makes it better for for people starting out.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I know a while back you began working out with a personal trainer down in Wellington. Are you still working out and like doing the doing different exercises?
1: Totally, yeah. I, I work out as much as humanly possible. <laughs> I I I work out three times a week and and I also actually l- last year started cross training uh, with belly dancing. Ooh. And, and like, hear me out, like, I'm not naturally gifted at dancing, but man, what a core workout and, and you really have to like isolate your muscles in the same way that you have to in dressage. so that's been really fun and a really nice addition to to my training program
0: that's a that's one that I would never have thought of, like belly dancing. That's yeah.
1: A- <laughs> yeah, uh last uh September I actually started belly dancing. So it's almost been a full year. Um yeah, so oh, it's That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's it's nice. Keeps me creative, I guess.
0: Yeah. So when you're working out, do you feel like it's really helping your body to become um more centered a little bit or Oh yeah. Is it Evening oh, it hands- out and straightening it out or, like, strengthening it up?
1: Hands down, I would yeah. absolutely say yes. Uh, yeah. I would say d- it's um, such a necessary part of being an equestrian that I think mm-hmm. is often overlooked because mm-hmm. uh, of just time and, and whatnot. But, man uh getting into a consistent workout program um and and knowing what exercises to do to really get the results you want um has made all the difference in my riding it's yeah. it's made me actually be able to have the core muscles that I didn't have before I'm I'm struggling way less to stay in the center. I'm, yeah. I'm doing things that I before working out consistently I would not have been able to do. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. That's really thank good. you.
1: Yeah, I I can't stress it enough. Like get into the gym, have that <laughs> motivation. I know it's yeah. not half as fun as riding, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, I have a cute little story. So, I remember when you had Chip here in Michigan still and you were I believe you were fundraising. Um, I don't remember what you were fundraising for, but you had a fundraiser at a bowling alley in in, in Ann Arbor near us. Yeah. And we went and you were like signing all these cards for people with your picture on them. And writing little messages, and I had to go up there, of course, because I was like, little fangirl, and you wrote um, a little message on it of a picture of you and Chip, and I still have it today, and I keep it with me, and I look at it, and I'm like, okay, Sid's still going, so I'm just going to keep pushing through, but when I was in seventh grade, we had our teacher told us to bring in a picture of someone or like something that meant a lot to us. And so I took in the picture that you signed and I said, and I was like, well, this is someone who I am very inspired by and I really look up to. She's my friend, Sydney Collier. And I like, I remember I started crying in the class because I was like, she's just so awesome. Like, she's so inspirational she just keeps pushing through everything like this is like somebody that you guys just need to know and I don't know I thought that was kind of cute but you probably don't remember signing the card but I still have it oh my gosh yeah I I totally
1: remember wow (laughs) that that just made my day you have you have no idea Made my whole entire week already. Yeah, it's only Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: I've always had your picture like hanging up, and I'll be like, "Okay, Sid's there. Sid's going. Just gotta keep pushing on." Yeah, so that's kind of (laughs) cute.
1: I love that, and and I love how our friendship it just it just continues on, no matter how many years go by or how much distance maybe between us like I just that's so special
0: I know I'm so lucky to have you in my life and able to share your story with others as well because you're truly inspiring
1: thank you the end in- yeah I, I feel the same way. Right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> if anyone's motivating and inspiring, it's definitely you. <laughs> oh, thank you.
0: All righty. So, before we wrap this up, do you want to give any advice to that young rider that is maybe struggling in whether it's eventing, dressage? They're a para-athlete, maybe, whatever it may be in the equestrian world. What is your advice to just help them keep going and maybe not like look at all the bad things that's going on in their lives?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. (laughs) I love it. I would say to, to hold on to what's going right. And, and to ground yourself in that moment to what is working, um, because it's so easy to fall down this sort of rabbit hole of picking everything mm-hmm. apart, but when you really take a step back and and appreciate all that is working, then you have a whole refreshed and renewed source of motivation to keep pushing and Mm -hmm. and in doing so you can really strive towards your goals in a whole new and different way and and also I guess another big thing is is like when you see someone like me or another Olympian or Paralympian like just know it took so many small goals to, to make that one big goal happen. And, and so when you're setting out to do something so big, don't fixate on just this one big goal, because that can be so overwhelming, break it down, and, and give yourself the pat on the back, when you do well on accomplishing those small goals that culminate towards this really big goal. Yeah, for sure.
0: That's really good advice. Very, very good advice. I know I surely learned a lot from that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that.
1: (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And <laughs> and also if if you ever want to learn more about para dressage, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. I'm always available in my DMs, and I would love yeah. to to tell people more personally.
0: Yeah. So, do you want to tell us what your uh, Instagram handle is, and then I can uh, put it in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. My Perfect. Instagram is at SIDSPARAQUEST, S-Y-D-S-P-A-R-A-Q-U-E-S-T.
0: Perfect. Yeah, and so you can follow her on there and go check out and stay up to date with everything that she has going on. Um, Before you leave us as well, do you want to thank anybody and all of your support system that's behind you that helps you? keep doing
1: what you get to do every day? Totally. I would like to thank you also because, I mean, if I remember correctly, you were one of the people who designed socks for me as a fundraiser. Yeah, as a fundraiser way, way back when. Oh, boy. (laughs) If we're we're throwing it back that far, you know. Really, I – I it's always been a grassroots effort and and I'd like to thank anyone who's ever believed in me enough to to help me strive for for what I'm working towards um yeah. and and who has seen my mission as clearly as I do uh, so I want to thank anyone who's ever donated, any of my sponsors, uh, my family for, for never giving up on me, yeah. <laughs> even though, even though I probably made that pretty easy sometimes, you know, as, <laughs> as we do, right, as humans, yeah. Um. but, and all the horses that have, have made yeah. me into the rider that I am today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's truly so amazing. And I'm so glad that I got to have you on the podcast today and kind of talk to us about everything that you've gone through and all the great things that are coming ahead for you as well. So thank you so much for coming on. You're truly inspiring. And I hope everyone that listens goes along and starts following along and following your journey.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's always so great to talk with you and to catch up. And thanks thanks, (laughs) for letting me chat your ear off.
0: (laughs) It's always so much fun talking with you too.